up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we are so excited to have Kano and Moore with us. You have already heard some of the music because this is the person responsible for our new sound. So welcome, Conwin. Yay. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. It's truly an honor and like so exciting to be here. I'm a huge fan and to find myself on the show, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. So tell us about your music. Well, where should I start? Um, <laughs> inspiration for the type of music that you play. Sure. Um, so I originally went to school for composing for film, television, and theater. I have most of my background in writing for theater. And Kano and More, the label, has sort of come out of the music that I wrote for not only the virtual rituals we did uh, last year during uh, the, the height of COVID when everything was totally remote, but also um, some live rituals that we were able to perform. And the music that I've created from that has now become my album and my single and is expanding into more virtual and live ritual work that we're doing uh, in my community. So it's really born from magic, which is really exciting. Uh, but with my theater background, I think it really kind of infuses that influence into being able to perform this live as well as have it recorded and sent out to the world. <laughs> That's super exciting. and. I think a lot of times we think about musicians as sort of coming at it from a very uh, technical standpoint. So the idea that you're bringing in this very like theatrical experience is really cool. And I think it plays well with the idea of it being magical. I also Thank think you. <laughs> I've seen some of your videos and I feel that, and even the photographs that you take, they are very theatrical. You know, you, you get a sense that you are not just listening to music, you are entering a different realm. And that is so important, especially when it comes to ritual. This is, this is great music you can do ritual too, because you really are transported. You really are elevated. You feel lighter. You feel, I don't know, I want to say happier necessarily, but there is something lighter and happier when you're listening to music that, you know, even if you're not a musician, you're hearing different nuances in the music and that is reaching your soul. I don't know if that makes any sense. Right. Oh, totally. <laughs> and a lot of times when we interview people, or you talk to people that are musicians, you know, they're going to have different influences. I think it's so amazing to be able to hear somebody say, I study this. This is like a professional thing. It's not just like, yeah, I just picked up an instrument and now there's anything wrong with that. But I just find it fascinating when somebody has had like a real serious background in something like this, something artistic. Well, my background has certainly been very classically based. I started taking piano lessons when I was like three years old. I've been training vocally classically, violin classically. So um, I have a number of instruments in my toolkit, but personally the flair for dramatic and the theater arts, I mean, I am a Leo, so it kind of comes with the territory, I feel like. And it's just become, I mean, I wanted to write for film for that reason, because I'm a very visual artist as well. Um, I'm an editor as my day job. And so uh, working with video, working with live performance is just something that I think has to inf like, inform my music to some degree, because um, I see the visual and then I hear it, or I hear it and then I see it. And so it's all kind of blended together into this, own, like, this new world. And it's so exciting to hear you say that it transports you into a realm, because it's exactly what... The idea of Kano and Moore is supposed to be. She's kind of like this label that I've created that I get to explore whatever culture, whatever 
genre I want and to do so in a way that infuses magic and performance into it. And so to hear that it has that effect on the listener is really, really gratifying. Thank you. <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, I've seen videos of yours and I always thought, man, I wish she lived closer because God knows we could have used some help with some of the videos that we've done for the Moon Serpent and Bone, which have come out, how they've come out. Cause you know, what do we know? We know nothing. I have my phone and we kind of just wing it and we're like, let's just do this thing. And that's it. So that's how you do it though. I mean, <laughs> nowadays, especially it's like, we're, we're, everyone's used to seeing that. It's awesome that you guys are even doing it and have the courage to put yourself out there. I mean, just with this podcast, with filming, with everything, and just having a visual is so key to like sharing news about the community and things that are going on. And, you know, a lot of the work I've done, I've taught myself um, virtually like how to edit and do most of my video work. And it's just taken me years of pulling a camera out and seeing what I can do and make. And now I'm lucky enough to say that that's my job, but, uh, and I do love it. I really love working with the visual arts, but um, some of these, one of these days I will have to make a pilgrimage out to Salem and see you guys and we'll do an epic video of some sort. Cause I would just love that. Oh my gosh. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Are you kidding? You want to do like a witch space retreat where we just get like, we rent like a big Airbnb in Salem and get like all our friends together oh and just God, have like a whole dream. weekend. Okay, so this is gonna yes. be crazy, but I actually know the house. It's got like, I want to say, seven bedrooms, five bathrooms, or something like. No, I'm I'm serious, and it's right on Essex. I want to say, yeah, it's a huge Airbnb that I've seen. It's got like multiple fireplaces. Like it's insane. It's like the perfect house to like have people over. It really is. We have to. Oh my god. Yeah, we'll <laughs> put that so in a cool. planner somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna happen. <laughs> So about Careful, you sell tickets to that thing and people show up <laughs> from everywhere. <laughs> like a meet and greet. Right. Yeah. Um, so tell us about the music for which space, what was your inspiration? How did you get into what to do? Well, for one, I've been listening to you guys. I literally know the day I started listening to you guys um, because it was like quite the day for me. It was basically my mind said, what is all this like witch stuff about? And I like found your podcast and heard Sean McShane's music and was immediately struck by how cool that was. And then just really got hooked into you guys talking through the wheel of the year, talking through all the books you guys have read. And it was so informative for me at the time, because I was really at the beginning stages of my witchcraft, as well as just my spiritual awakening in general because you obviously have this fantastic legacy of the podcast that you've had over the last couple of years. And I wanted to just kind of create a new realm or a new expression of that music, but that infuses your culture. So I'm taking influences from Latin and Spanish music. I'm taking influences from Greek and Irish music and sort of putting that in together to make it a blend of YouTube. It really speaks to like how amazing your podcast is and just all the different conversations and places you go within this space. So, uh, yeah. And I will say, um, one of my favorite interviews you guys have done was with Trobar de Morte. I think she's amazing. I'm such a huge fan. So there's definitely some of that influence in there for sure, because huge fan girl over here. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you like, you like that interview because yeah, we think she's amazing. So it's always great to hear somebody say, you know, they, they learned about her and now they're going to follow the band. Um, and they're starting to play again. I mean, not here, but, you know, they're starting to get out there. So, I, you know, it's kind of hopeful again that we'll be able to hear more good music live. So, Certainly. thank you. So, should we transition now into something else? 
because we have questions about something. So you have labeled yourself, and this is something that we talk about on the podcast, that people should not, you know, give labels. Sometimes people like to say someone's a baby witch, but they say it in a derogatory manner, like you're calling somebody a baby witch, which is very different than if somebody says, hey, I'm a baby witch then yeah, I'll call you a baby witch if that's a label that you feel comfortable with that you want somebody to use. But it should come from the person who is the baby witch. Like nobody else should call you anything. So you've used that term to describe yourself a lot. So what is a baby witch? What does that mean to you? Personally, I came into this really, really recently, actually, like if I'm being totally real. And while it's been such a whirlwind of a transformative journey I've had getting into witchcraft, I still feel very much at the infancy of this journey. And I think that's kind of why I called myself that. I heard that term and I went, yeah, that's what I am. And I, I walk into this with a really open heart and a really open mind, wanting to learn more. Um, I'm one of those people, <laughs> I've got a Gemini moon in Mars. So the curiosity level is through the roof <laughs> and it's never going to stop. So I want to consist, like constantly be learning. And gosh, I've learned just so much from your guys' podcast and just from so many of the masters that speak to witchcraft, the legacy of witchcraft, the history of it. And um, I'm a huge history nerd. So I love diving into that. Also different cultures, as I mentioned, musically, I do this. Um, I'm like lucky enough to own a lot of instruments from other countries, but also just like want to write in different genres from other countries and other cultures. And I kind of approach witchcraft with the same open mind where it's like, okay, what are these people doing? What are these people doing? What can I infuse and what resonates with me as a practitioner? And while, you know, it's, it's been a crazy couple of years and perhaps I've graduated past the point of baby at this point, I still feel like it's the very beginning. And there's a lot of hope in that. It's like that new moon energy. Like I'm still putting out my intentions for what I want to look like and be like in the years to come and what, my dreams are for, you know, reaching a community, which thankfully I'm very grateful around me. We have a thriving community of pagans, of witches, of, of everyone magical. And I've been able to just sink my teeth right into it and jump in head first and already start hosting rituals, which is amazing. So yeah, <laughs> I call myself a baby witch, but you know, I, I really feel like I've been welcomed into a whole family of witches um, on, on more, in more ways than one. <laughs> I think that brings up a good point. And I think this is something that doesn't get spoken about with baby witches. When do you stop being a baby witch? And you've, you just mentioned here, like maybe you're past it. It was there something that you're like, oh, I can look back and this is the thing that makes me feel like maybe I'm ready to move into a different stage. Or did you have something in your mind when you started out that you were like, if I can do this, I'm not a baby witch anymore. So I think uh, what really came down to is earlier this year, my friend and I, we started a project together. Um, we met in a coven that we were both a part of that disbanded at the beginning of this year, but we wanted to continue hosting rituals. And now we're in a position where we're doing rituals online, but we're also hosting them from the, for the community. We have a Yule ritual coming up at the time of this episode that we're really excited about and it sold out, which is really cool. So it just, it's kind of interesting being in a more of a mentor teacher position. I'm also probably going to start teaching astrology locally, which is really exciting. So it's, it's hard to call yourself a baby witch when you're standing, like telling people what witchcraft is. <laughs> and then it's like, should I maybe use another name? But again, I still feel like I'm at the beginning of this and 
you know, I'm theatrical, as I mentioned, I'm confident so I can go up on a stage and I can perform and try to like connect with an audience or with a group of people that are practicing together. But ultimately I'm still learning like the rest of us. So every day it's like a different <laughs> experience. <laughs> so I guess I'm like maybe slightly graduated with a little graduation hat. <laughs> I like the way you frame this because I think a lot of times baby witch is used to kind of infantilize, but the framing that you're using here is very much like this is the beginning of a lifetime. And so I'm a baby in the sense that I am growing and developing and I'm going to become a like almost a teenage witch one day and then a grown-up witch and then, you know, a crone. So it really, it references that kind of maiden mother crone thing. And it, I think that seeing journeys like that can be so much more powerful. Well, I think just being open to, you're never going to learn everything. Like there's just, there's no way <laughs> there's too much out there and approaching every single person that you meet in this space with that open mind because everybody has their own experiences. You know, um, <laughs> just because I've researched a ton does not mean I know, you know, what either of you two do in your day to day other than what you've shared on the podcast, right? And I, I can always learn more. And so approaching it from that curious mind versus the like, I already have this like under control, I know what's happening. And, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm still very early in the journey. People ask me like, how long have you been doing this? And I'm like, mm, just over like two years. It's really not been, been that long. It's been something that has been really deeply a part of my life, I think longer than I realized. And it was just sort of a coming into a maturity of like, oh, this is what, this is what I've been called to. Mm -hmm. But you know, at, at the same time, really the study and the practice of it is very new to me. So I can't go into that conversation and just act like, oh, I've already researched that. I know what's going on because that's just not the case. I have learned, I have something to learn from everybody, everybody's experience. So I want to ask one more question and then I, I have a lot of thoughts. So here's the first thing I want to know. I want to know all of them. <laughs> Don't worry. You will. Um, <laughs> as sort of having recently felt like, okay, I'm, I'm becoming, I'm graduating. What is a piece of advice that you would like to give to like maybe baby witches who are listening or something that you wish somebody had said to you when you were starting? Uh, first and foremost, trust your intuition around the people that you're choosing to listen to and your mentors that you're choosing. Cause I've had some unfortunate, like very bad experiences in that realm and it can really ruin things. Um, and make you question a lot. <laughs> and this is like, you touched on something where it's like, oh, that that's a whole other story where, um, you know, it's important to really trust your gut on who you're listening to in this space. I am really blessed to have some incredible mentors who I adore and who I see regularly and who have really helped me psychically evolve and astrologically learn a ton. And it's been wonderful. And then I've met some other people that you know, unfortunately are in this space and are here to manipulate others. And I do think it's important to trust your gut. If something doesn't feel right, you know, then respect that, respect your intuition and, and don't go back to that space. It's not worth it. Like you will find other resources. There's so many out there and go to what your heart is really called to. Um, and you don't have to take everything either. I think that's another, like we're so bombarded. I think when we first come into this now, because there's so much available, which is so lucky. I know so many like did not have that years ago growing up. And so now it's like, there's just so much. It's like, Oh God, I need this and this and this to do a ritual. And I need all these materials and books and everything 
And it's like, really just let your heart decide where it is you're actually interested. Feel that magnetic pull, listen to your intuition and go there first because that won't steer you wrong. And, and, you know, watch who you meet. And if you want to share space and time and energy with somebody, share it and learn more from them. And if you don't, if you feel that, nope, I need to protect myself, then respect that and protect yourself. I could not have paid you to give a better response. Than that. <laughs> but you could always pay me. But no. I mean, hey. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> but I, you know, and it's so tough because I feel like when you're a baby witch, you want so badly to learn from everybody. Mm-hmm. And I like, I hate that being the advice. Cause I don't want people who are listening to be like nervous, but it, that's a big deal. Like the people that you're learning from at, as a teacher, right. As a person who my job is a teacher, I know the people who are learning from me are not just learning the content, but they're learning how to be people. And that doesn't change when you are an adult coming to witchcraft or coming to any hobby, whoever's teaching you is going to impart things onto you that aren't just the content. So yeah, it is probably, it's the best advice that I could have given. So I love that that's what really stuck out to you as well. Certainly. And yeah, I mean, and again, you guys know, I mean, there, there are teachers who put their heart and soul and effort into everything. And there are people that are in it for ego and in it for whatever pedestal they're standing on. And in this space, like I said, unfortunately, I've met one of those people <laughs> and um, they're no longer in my life for that reason. But, you know, it, it, I was, again, it's like you come into this so excited and you mm-hmm. just want to like, learn and soak up everything. And then you're confronted with like, oh, this is who this person really is though. Like, do I want to share time with that? And it took me a long time to realize like, no, I'm, I'm done. Like I need to walk away from this and um, if anything, it now has just solidified like, okay, my intuition does know what's best for me and I need to follow that because once I walked away from that relationship, it was like, oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> I can actually go do the things I'm really interested in and not feel like I have to go do all this work that I'm not being paid to do and being told is absolutely critical to my development where I'm like, no, it's not. Like, yeah. I can go be the person I want to be. So Yeah. <laughs> And I think that leads into kind of my next question, because I think it's fair for us to characterize you as an expert musically. I think that you, I think at this point you can say that. And I really am interested in how your sort of advanced knowledge base in music played into your development as a witch, because I personally think that sometimes we use those skills that we're really good at to bolster our spirituality. And I want to know, did that help you to kind of come to a point where you no longer feel like a baby witch by relying on those other skills? It's so funny you mentioned that because <laughs> I, I, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I, I was listening to your guys' podcast going like, okay, what is all this witch stuff about? Because my real doorway into the spiritual space was through astrology. And uh, <laughs> it took me a really long time to warm. I say a really long time. It felt like a really long time for me to warm up to the term witch. I was not ready at all to call myself that. I had like a loosely pretty chill, like Methodist background actually growing up and then kind of stepped away from all religion for a minute. And so I was really like, oh, I'm, I'm resisting this. I'm not really sure about it. So there's actually a period where I was like, well, I'm doing these meditations. I'm reading my angel cards. I'm doing astrology. And I like the idea of ritual, but I'm not ready to call myself a witch. 
or I don't know if I'm, I'm like that hip to that or anything. So I actually came up with this entire musical ritual because that's what I know. And I like created this whole score that I would like sing to do ritual that was like all about my empowerment and my motivation for myself. And looking back, it's like, yeah, that, that's like how my magic manifested. And like, I got into that and was doing that regularly and feeling great about it. And it just was a perfect like doorway into, oh, you know, maybe I am a witch. Like this actually kind of works. And this music with this kind of works really well. So um, it was just funny that like, that, that was where I went to, like you said, kind of falling back on the skills that we are, you know, developing music was something that was like, I know this, I know I'm good at this, I can feel this, and this feels real to me, so I'm going to infuse this in everything I'm doing, and then sure enough, it grew and blossomed into what I am now. <laughs> I love that, and I, I resonate, it resonates, I feel it, I get it, I feel like when I think about like the kind of magic that Scorpio does, it's very much relying on her talents with words, when I think about like the way that I view imagery and how I use that in magic. So I definitely think that like, again, to the baby, which is listening, whatever you're good at can be magic and should be magic. It should be your magic. Yes. Um, I have like a technical question, I guess, because I see all these instruments behind you, <laughs> right? You've, oh, yes. you've got a piano. There's, it's a violin or a viola up there. Yeah, we got a violin. I can, I can give you like the tour and then just sort of explain it for people who cannot see my crazy room. Yes. So and what I would love, <laughs> yes, are, uh -huh. if, if you could also include, tell me like what magically those instruments mean to you. Like, do they have sure. different impacts on the music you write? do you use different instruments for different um, kind of ritual and different spells? Like how do they work in your magic? Sure. Yeah. Some of them, I definitely have answers for that. And other, others are still probably weeding their way into what my music will eventually be. Mm -hmm. um, I will state first is, so my, my proficient instruments are voice and piano. And then I'm pretty decent at violin and those all make appearances in my music that I perform as well as that are available online to listen to. And then um, there's another instrument in here I'll touch on that is featured in my album Ushapti, which was very exciting to write and to have part of. Um, and the other ones are kind of just what I've collected and like what I plan to use, but they definitely have a historical cultural meaning that like I'm tied to and have used them in ritual. So giving this sort of virtual, not so virtual, but audio tour. <laughs> so I have my keyboard behind me and there's actually a uh, baby grand piano to my left that's off camera that you can't see. And then behind me, as you notice, yes, there is a violin, which I've been playing for, oh gosh, I'm going to date myself, 20 years now. Um, and then this mandolin back here is actually a gift from my father. Um, he bought it in Istanbul. And Mediterranean music is like some of my favorite, like I love the, um, the influence of Mediterranean, Greek, uh, Turkish, all those mm -hmm. like cultures fused into Lena or Lorena McKinnett's music. I just think it's the most luscious, beautiful sound. I also love like the Italian Renaissance era. So you find a lot of these instruments weaving in there. So the mandolin, um, is a little different than the mandolin you see normally in the United States. It's shaped more oval. And so that's luckily one of the instruments I am happy to own. I have a ukulele up there. That guy's just mostly for like the grooves and the beats. <laughs> he hasn't made his way into a virtual. It'll happen. Like give it time. So behind me is a Celtic harp and I uh, am very, very connected to Celtic music, the Celtic pantheon, specifically Irish and Scottish. 
um, those cultures. And then I also have behind me a uh, boron, which is the Irish boron drum, and it's an 18 inch, and it's made its appearance in rituals, in music, in all sorts of stuff I've been doing, and it's one of my favorites to play. I learned it for a score, the very first score I ever wrote for theater, and um, learned how to play it and compose for it, and since then it's just become a huge favorite, and I gifted myself that this year, because I was like, I need one of my own that's like gorgeous and cool. And there's a banjo hiding back there that desperately needs repair. A old guitar back there, which I'm still struggling to learn to play, but one day the fingers will get it right. <laughs> We've got tambourines and shakers and recorders and cowbells and all sorts of stuff up here. And then this guy, which actually, if you give me a second, I'll bring it up to you. So this one I wanted to point out specifically and actually show you guys. And again, I'll explain it for everybody listening. So what I have here in my hand is a small reed instrument and it's called a duduk, which is from Armenia. And this is the instrument I played in Ushapi. You can hear it throughout. It is, in my opinion, my favorite instrument of all time. It's one of the most beautiful sounds. We hear it in movie scores all the time. And I could nerd about all this instrument all day long. <laughs> um, but it's typically, it's kind of funny. It's from Armenia, but we always hear it. Like you hear this like fluty reed sound whenever we're in like the Saharan desert. Like it's, it's that sound. It's the like, oh, Arabia. Like that's where we are. That's, you know, film music just sort of adopted it and said like, this is the culture you belong to, even though technically it's not really from there, which is interesting. But I still think it's one of the most beautiful sounding instruments. Is it in Dune? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, yes. it's in Dune. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's really, um, it's really featured. What is it? Uh, Battlestar Galactica has it featured in its main theme, I think. I love I'm not this. as familiar with that. Right? Yeah. So, but this instrument, again, it's a duduk. And you play it. When you play it, you look like a, like, like your mouth is a blowfish. You literally have to, like, totally play. It takes so much energy to play this. But this featured in, I mean... I was writing an Egyptian ritual music, and that's what the album Ushabdi is all about. And I just was like, it needs to duck, and I happen to own one, and I don't have any samples for one, so we've got to learn to play it now. <laughs> so I'd like to taught myself a couple lines, and that's what is featured in that album, and I'm very, very happy and proud to have one of these. Um, and there's a lot of really deep historical meaning with the Duduk associated with Armenia. So, um, and if any of you are like curious out there, I would still check it out because there's just some really beautiful repertoire written for Duduk and it's one of my favorite instruments. And everybody knows the sound of it, but they don't know what it is. And it's just, it's kind of one of those film secrets that I love sharing. And so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the other two random ones I'll bring up. So I have a, um, what's it, a ditzi up there, which I actually bought in China. Like I was in China and I was like, I gotta bring home something. And I brought this reed instrument home. I can see if I can, there we go. So it's kind of similar to duduk, but it's more of that like flute reedy instrument you hear in China, Chinese mm -hmm. music all the time. And it's been around for thousands of years. And then lastly, uh, one of the most curious instruments I own is actually this box right here. This is a theremin. <laughs> so um, if anybody's familiar with theremin, <laughs> yes. it's, it's the sci-fi. Yeah, like, yeah, I think it's been making kind of this like comeback, which is really cool. It was Definitely. really heavily featured in like the Loki soundtrack. And my grandfather, who was like really interesting guy, 32nd degree Mason, super like weird, interesting, spiritual, but like off the cuff hipster mm -hmm. um, inventor. He played theremin and saw, I need to get a saw, but like my dad gave me this theremin as like the gift and I just, yeah, I love theremin. It is so hard to play. 
oh my goodness, one of the hardest things ever to master, just sounding okay. Like normally I just sound like beep boops all the time. <laughs> so one of these days, Theremin will definitely be making an appearance in some of my like ritual work because why not? But like, I gotta get, I gotta get like good enough first <laughs> to actually play it like coherently. So, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of a little tour of this room and the instruments that, that I own and can play somewhat well. And, uh, and then of course I'm lucky enough to have some incredible sample for most of my music. I do everything completely myself and mix wow. and master myself. So it's, yeah, <laughs> it's basically a whole symphony in here. Um, you broke my heart a little bit when you said that the theremin is like the hardest thing because I definitely <laughs> know how to play the theremin. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. So as a kid, I played classical guitar and violin, and then, you know, I left. But there's something about the unknown or the things that are not as common that I've always been drawn to. And of course, I'm a big American Horror Story fan. And I don't know if you ever watched American Horror Story, but there's totally. Myrtle Snow. What does she play? Mm -hmm. She plays a theremin. And I just loved like that crazy red hair. And she's like deep in thought while they're having this philosophical discussion. And she's got her hands going. And I said, when I am in my full crone mode, this is what I need to do. Like I need Gemini to come over when I'm like really old and I'm just playing this thing and she's talking and I'm like, I don't even know what she's saying anymore because I'm just like doing this thing. So, and I know it sounds like I'm joking. I'm not like, I actually do want to play this thing. So you got to start learning now. Yeah. If it's really hard, <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say playing violin definitely helps because you like, you know, there's no, there's no fingering. You're just fingering in the air for theremin to give people context. If you don't know what a theremin is, you use two hands to play a theremin. One of them is um, your volume hand, which you raise up and down. So as your hand raises, it creates a louder volume and then lowers, it creates a lower volume. And then the other one is next to an antenna. And as your hand gets closer to the antenna, the pitch goes up. Now, depending on the air pressure in the room and where you set it to and all the things, it completely changes the dynamic scale of where your hand is placed. So it's important to know like, oh, this is the scale I'm working with and checking that and tuning it every single time you play it. Um, but then as you learn, you develop fingering in air, in space, essentially for that. And I would say it's similar to a violin in that there's no, like, unlike a guitar where you have frets, mm -hmm. there's no frets, you know, in the air. <laughs> so having a violin background will definitely help, certainly. And no matter what, it sounds cool when you play it. So, <laughs> like, you could just be kind of fiddling around. It's kind of like a cello. Like, you can't sound that bad, like, <laughs> as long as you don't get too close to the antenna and, like, start, That's you fair. know, setting feedback. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those that's a very forgiving instrument. And if you want to, like, really master it then that's man there's there's few masters out there but they're incredible you can find some really good ones on tiktok actually um but they're they're incredible and just watching how they do fingering is really really helpful but yeah i encourage anybody like go out there learn what a theremin is and play it because it's so fun <laughs> it's like my party trick is it heavy no it's super light now we have this so now we're going to give a concert when we go to salem it's gonna oh be fun. Oh, the house the witches in the house because this is, love it. this is the goal. So once I feel that I'm somewhat ready, that's when we know we're going. So Got it. So in 20 years, we're going to have a meet and greet in Salem. We love like, it. Five years wouldn't be bad. Like I, I could do by 20, but you know, like give me a couple of years and uh, yeah. Heck yeah. You can do it. I'm not being hysterical. It would just be great to just do all these fun things. You know? I just imagine oh, yeah. you sitting on a front porch 
<laughs> with a theremin. Like, you know, like, like get off my lawn kind of vibes, except gotcha. it's just you thereminning. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly the old lady I'm going to be. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm here for it. So what I really want to talk about now is you've mentioned about how you use your instruments in ritual and you've talked about your magic. Um, tell us about Ushap. <laughs> yeah, I want to pronounce Ushapti. it right. Ushapti. <laughs> what Worries. story um, are you telling did. here? Yeah. <laughs> so um, this was written, the music for this was written last October of 2020 for a psychodramatic performance we did of a burial ritual in the Egyptian tradition, as far as we know, you know, what we know about it. And it had Isis and Anubis like on stage interacting together. And so when I was actually, I was invited a year previously, like, hey, would you like to perform at our next Samhain? And I was like, absolutely. That sounds amazing. We get closer to the actual date and they're like, we're doing Egyptian. I'm like, oh, that's kind of out of my wheelhouse, but it sounds really, really cool. So I'll go learn everything I can know about Egyptian music as fast as I possibly can. <laughs> and so um, I created this score. I really wanted it to feel like very, I mean, we were a very small crowd at the time. We were completely masked. It was like 25 people max. And we were um, like all socially distanced in the room. And then all of the costumes had masks and we were all performing pantomiming on stage essentially while we had vocals recorded and the dialogue spoken over it and so um, I mixed the whole thing and I wanted the music to sound really really intimate and like dynamic and really be about the movement because we had a lot of I mean we weren't talking through the mass just so that way people could understand what was happening because we had it recorded over the loudspeaker so a lot of it was based on choreography and just like the different dramatic movement we did. We have a whole section where like there's a mummy and uh, Isis is pulling the organs out of the mummy. And like, we got like, we got like real organs like from the butcher shop and like, oh, it was gross. It was so nasty. The smell was horrific. Like we went oh, no. all out. There was food coloring involved. There was all these things. And we had this like stuffed mummy that just got like obliterated on the inside. It was disgusting. <laughs> You know, but we wanted to like really commit and, and have that sort of shock of like, oh my God, like what are they pulling out? And we put them in the canopic jars and we like, you know, paraded them around and showed people and everything was like really just dark and spooky. And it was very Samhain, you know, it was, a, it was a totally different Samhain than you would normally do, but it was super, super fun and just so much work. And the whole album is the basically the the main songs that were performed for this and so some of it i'm singing in um like during the part when like anubis shows up and he's like give me the ushapti and like i'm gonna bury the the body correctly and take it to the other side and it passes the hall of ma'at's like um you know the scales of ma'at against the feather the soul is measured against the feather and it gets to go on to the afterlife like all these really cool egyptian like traditions that we put into this whole performance and each piece is a different section of that ritual that we did. And yeah, I just, I was like, after the ritual, I was like, this music turned out really, really cool. And I'm very proud of it. And I should just turn it into something that people can like vibe to. Cause that's kind of what it is. I feel like it's like kind of a pseudo Egyptian vibe that mm -hmm. you can just have on. Like I've had people tell me they use it during their spiritual baths. I'm like, go for it. Like whatever, whatever feels good. Like I listen to it in the car sometimes, but I'm just that's so smart or like folding laundry. Like I just want to vibe <laughs> and that's what goes on. So that was kind of the whole premise of it. And I released it two months later. I like mixed and mastered it down and released it uh, in December of 2020. Um, 
So it kind of turned out to be, it was the album I never expected to make, but it was really cool to make and um, just an incredible experience that will last forever for me personally, just knowing what the history of that was, but also mm -hmm. now people can use it for whatever they want, so. So I know that picking a favorite um, is kind of like picking your favorite child and that it's a very difficult thing to do, but I am gonna ask you if you have okay, like a, no with that. a top three. <laughs> Um, of the songs on the album, what would they be? Oh, so I know. Canopic Dance. I know it's hard. Canopic Dance is the one I think that for me, like when I hear it, I'm like, yeah, because that that was like the whole premise of the album. Like I saw and heard that piece before any of this even started. And I knew I like, okay, we're gonna walk around with these jars and parade these organs around and there's gonna be like this dramatic like red and green light as like Isis pulls the stomach out of the mummy. Like, I mean, that's what was going through my head when I heard that piece. And so it really wrote itself um, mm -hmm. and just came out and was, I'll like, you know, share a little bit of insight about it. But inside of it, you hear four different like themes. So there's like marimba and that was gonna be for, um, happy the baboon spirit and then you hear like breath and that's for Yamseti, the human spirit you hear the reeds and the flutes which is for kwasenoeth the eagle spirit and then uh one of whom i'm missing oh duamatef is all the strings and so there's like four deliberate sections that like show the different sons of horus which is what we were portraying like parading around these mm -hmm. jars of organs so anyway that piece to me it's like one of the shorter ones but it just sort of was the whole premise of the ritual and i'm really proud of how that turned out um plus i just like want to get up and groove to it so that's number one <laughs> and then probably the next one is uh the opening walk of the thinning veil that was like just i mean how do you open up like this new realm of we're going into this crypt this this uh pyramid this mm -hmm. under like you know cave thing to like do this ritual we have to completely transform and take people into the space And I wanted it to be really just like sensual and beautiful. We like dressed Isis in this whole performance. And it was really, really slow as we like paraded around the room and all of our like robes and our, our masks and everything. And so that piece, plus I'm pretty like excited with how the vocals turned out on that. Um, very, very proud of that piece for sure also. And it's one of my slower ones, but I, for the album, I was really excited. It was maybe like two and a half, three minutes for the actual performance. And mm -hmm. I extended it out to six because I really just wanted to like sit in the vibe of that whole piece and lastly i think i'll probably say what is it the um the one for anubis which is the weighing of the heart 
And that one, it's kind of, there's a weird, like, childlike memory I have of this. There's this old, like, okay, I love Halloween, right? Like, we all love Halloween, Mm -hmm. but, like, so there's this album my family used to listen to, and it was, like, this Vampire Sounds album, and it had a heartbeat in it in, like, one of the tracks, and it was, like, it was literally, it's literally like a heartbeat, really bad synth. And then this guy like screaming in the background. It's like spooky sounds, but it used to scare me like crazy as a kid. I was like, that's the scariest song. We have to skip it every time because it's too scary. And then growing up, I'm like, yeah, it's really cool. They used a heartbeat. Like that's, I want to like play with that. And so for the wing of the heart piece, while Anubis is like doing his big trial in our, our thing, I thought I should use the heartbeat as the beat, like the actual beat of the track. And so it's kind of this weird like child memory that I incorporated into this, hopefully sounding a little better than just like random guy screaming, nothing in the background. <laughs> but um, yeah, I have the heartbeat throughout the entire thing and was able to play Duduk on that and sing in sort of a pseudo Egyptian um, way and try to mimic that as best I could. But I was really happy with how that turned out as well. So yeah, those three pieces, I think. <laughs> I guess I had an answer for that. That was I am so excited about all of the ways that like these things interplay together, especially because, and I think this is a thing that I've been thinking about a lot in sort of which space year three and going into now, which space year four, the way that our regular lives play into our magic and the fact that it, it needs to be authentically and genuinely us no matter what we're doing. Um, and I guess, first of all, I wanna say like, thank you so much for sharing this because I do think that like having someone who self-identified as a baby witch on the podcast, get on and talk about what that meant to them and how their real life has played into their development is really powerful because I don't think that Scorpio and I have really the space to do that for our listeners. <laughs> You know, it's, it's been a while since I've considered myself a baby witch. So first of all, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening and having me. Of course. <laughs> having all these great questions. <laughs> yeah, this is the problem. Is Second of all, I have so many questions and I am a Gemini. <laughs> so they go all over the place because I guess I'm just thinking about like, you did what I think a lot of baby witches wish they could do, which is get involved. You know, and I think for a lot of baby witches, there isn't a community and there isn't the opportunity to use their skills to participate in that. Um, was it easy for you to find community? Like, is it, is it the location you're in makes it more available or did you, was there like a hesitancy? How did that work out for you? I think it's, I'm very, very lucky to say that it's a blend of both. I am 
very fortunate to live in an area that has a lot of stuff available. Um, for one, there's a huge mega store down in Tacoma, which is just a couple of like a half hour from me. And that is uh, Crescent Moon Gifts and they host huge events. That was where I met the coven that we did all these rituals and where I now have my office and host public rituals. There's another store that's another 30 minutes north from me in Bremerton and um, they, that was where I met my, my mentor. She was doing new moon meditations and I just, I read about it online. I said, Oh, look, there's a cool magic store in Bremerton and I'll go check it out. And Oh, they do meditations. I'll go to one. And I just, I, I think, I mean, Gemini, I think I've heard you actually say this on the podcast before, but it's like, sometimes when you just want to jump all into something, you just are like, okay, I'm gonna learn all about it right now. Yes. <laughs> so, right. I do it all the time. <laughs> Right. And so I just, I think once I'd sort of committed to like, I'm really into this, I'm going to go learn everything I can and had those resources around me to go meet people. And, um, outwardly I'm a very like open, you know, uh, what's the word? I can't even think extroverted seeming person. I'm one of those like extroverted introverts though. I'll be real, but like, I'm, I'm ready to go out and meet people. And so, uh, I'm very lucky that there were people out there to meet that have been huge influences in my life now and have been these incredible spiritual coaches. But I will also say that, you know, because of the year we've had, and also because there's just so much out there, the podcast format has really been amazing. I mean, like I said, you guys were the first podcast I started listening to. And I was like, actually, I think you were like, maybe even the first, like the first ever podcast I'd started listening to. And like, cause I just, I wasn't familiar with the format. And I was like, gotta try this out and see something and, and learn something new. And, and here you were. And between you guys, and I'm very lucky to be um, a featured astrologer on another monthly podcast um, out here in where I live in the Pacific Northwest and just all the different resources out there. I think ingesting all of that information was so helpful. And, you know, I've, I've never met you guys in person, but I feel like I know you and <laughs> like, it's amazing, you know, that I have this connection and I'm so grateful. And, you know, with you guys and with so many people offering their online resources, there are so many schools online and things online that you can do. And I think that, you know, if you're not in a position where you can go places, because obviously like for a while, everything was shut down, you know, there's so much out there, you know, and just, and just doing the research and figuring out what calls to you. There's no wrong answers. Like, that's what I, I always come back to also. It's like, you know, it's, it's hard to like go into it and feel like, oh my gosh, but what if I do it wrong? And to me, it all comes back to intention. Like if, if you're going into this with what your heart is telling you to do and it feels right, then it is right. Like spirit has a way of communicating with us in exactly the way we need to hear whatever spirit looks like to you. And I just firmly believe, you know, if you just get caught trying is something my sister says all the time, but that's literally it. Just like go out there and maybe make a fool of yourself. And who cares if, if it feels good, then, then that's worth it. Like, it's awesome. <laughs> Do it anyway. So in whatever capacity that is, whether locally and just meeting people that are in the space and helping and teaching or you're online and you're commenting and you're, I mean, I kind of felt, I, I, I never comment on anything. And with you guys, I was like, I've got to, I've got to communicate with them. I, I have got, I feel like I know them. I need to talk to them. So I actually like bravely came out and was like, hi, I'm Leo. Ha <laughs> like, you know, and, and it worked out for, in my favor. So, and you were lovely, of course. So it's just, you know, don't be afraid to just 
maybe feel a little silly and and step out there and meet people because they're everywhere and there's so much available we're so lucky that we are so surrounded in information and you know <laughs> take it as you want <laughs> can you tell I'm mostly a positive person <laughs> i think even when you meet the wrong people like you've mentioned you met somebody that you know it didn't go well and i think we've all i think every single witch has a story like that every single witch has the yes. uh, okay, so I was taking classes with this person or I was doing ritual with this person and then down the line you go, this was totally wrong. Um, but you learn from it. I mean, that's what I think is great. And I think if you just take everything you do as just, this is a learning experience, it could be, okay, here's what not to do or, hey, I'm going to continue to do this. Like you said, I don't think there is a wrong path. You probably needed to learn blank because I know I've been in that situation where there's been people and I'm like, oh my God, this was, I got to cut this person out. Like this is not working out. I've been there. So, and, and not even when I was starting out, I mean, I think throughout all my teaching, not teaching, all my learning, right? I think I've come across people where I've been like, okay, back away quickly. Like this was wrong. I don't know. I can't believe I was here. Like I should know better. Yeah. But, you know, don't beat yourself up about it. It's like, that was a learning experience and you did learn something. I learned a lot of things, but you know, you just keep going. So yeah. I think that I have exhausted my uh, timeline of questions in the sense that I also have a lot of other questions I want to ask you, but I don't want to ask you on this episode because I do think <laughs> that there's some space for us to have further conversations about a separate topic, but not right now. Sure. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, awesome. <laughs> Scorpio, is there anything else you wanted to discuss? Is there anything new coming out, something you're working on that's going to come out besides the baby? <laughs> Besides, yeah, that, that has taken most of my attention. Yeah, <laughs> you're working on it. Now. Um, I'm happy to say yes, although it will probably be as as I'm able to work on um, this mm -hmm. because of my current situation. But uh, yeah, I've actually uh, all year pretty much I've been working very slowly, but I'm kind of going back to my classical roots here um, as as somebody who's been trained vocally classically for a very short amount of time as well, but just the, the, has like opera has always really spoken to me, operetta, musical theater, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So um, I, one of my goddesses that I am a patron of, a, <laughs> a priestess of, I guess you could say in some respects, although I wouldn't call myself like, you know, a high priestess of her at all. Um, but someone who I like really devote a lot of my time and energy to is the Morrigan. And uh, I'm writing a three piece song cycle for the Morrigan. It has been one of the longest projects I've ever like tried to do, but mostly because um, she's made it very clear. I can't take any shortcuts with this one. <laughs> so I listen to like what she wants and she's like, it doesn't matter what people think about it. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It needs to be done like thoroughly. So I've been taking Irish lessons. I've been like studying up on like ancient music. Um, I've been using the exact texts that we have like of the Morgan speaking and learning how to say those in Gaelic. And it's just been a huge undertaking and has taken me all year just to get to this sort of planning and sketching point behind me actually or some sketches right there but it's going to be uh, she's like i want i want all the talent like everything that you have inside you like all that ability i need you to put it like on the table for this so i'm i'm doing it for full symphonic orchestra and 
operatic voice in a ridiculous range and we're just gonna see what happens but it's it's a huge undertaking it feels like i'm going back to a lot of my roots that i like learn from which is really exciting and it's definitely going to be very dramatic <laughs> i've got some incredible locations like already planned out for the filming of it i'm making the costume it's a whole thing so it's been like a huge undertaking and eventually it will happen maybe hopefully when i look like how i want to look in order to perform this because right now yeah. i'm about 45 pounds heavier <laughs> and have a little dude inside so when he comes out and he he's like go ahead mom you can go ahead and and knock this one out then then i'll take the cue from him and we'll, we'll do this but uh that's kind of the next conowin more thing i see coming out live um but as i mentioned you know in the meantime i'm still doing rituals which is super exciting <laughs> although i'm becoming less and less helpful for those rituals but i am still writing music for those i do have an online presence with my project with my friend who's another coven sister of mine and she and i become very very close called the Divine Warriors Project. And you can find us on TikTok and on Instagram and on YouTube. And we do a lot of virtual, just kind of fun stuff. All the music for that is stuff I've written. And um, we, we do a lot of just like pretty beautiful, magical education kind of work. And I've been really excited like at the, the feedback that we've gotten about that. So that's sure to definitely be something in the meantime that you can catch my music and watch what we're doing and keep in touch musically with us. But yeah, those are kind of the two big things. And then I guess also just um, as an astrologer too, I'm, I'm probably gonna start teaching astrology as I mentioned. Um, I have this idea, okay, like I'll share this. And this is, this is kind of super secret, but not really because I've talked about this before and like it's gonna take so much work. Oh my God, <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's gonna be dope. Like I just, I wanna get your guys' opinion on it. So um there's this fantastic astrologer by the name of gemini brett and he has a musical partner and they both create these gorgeous like improvised seven minute long piano pieces that are based on people's natal charts so they take like they turn it into like a whole code and like they turn it into actual like performed music and then you buy like the song of your soul i think is what they call it and so it's an astrologer working with a composer and i was like that sounds super cool, but like, what if you do it with a symphony, though? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> a little bit ambitious, but because I'm such a nerd, I'm like, oh, I could do this. Like, we could figure out like, like Mars could be this group of instruments, and Jupiter could be that, and Aquarius could be this, and Leo. Like, literally, my brain just went like, oh, that'd be really cool, though. We should do this. That'd like, be really cool, though. You should yeah. do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that's kind of like the pairing of us i feel like my two branches are like astrology and music as like a person again all the gemini energy there's always the two so yeah <laughs> so i'm like how do we fuse this together and like create something that like can really speak to people so that is something in like the infancy of its development but it is definitely something i'm very serious about wanting to get into because what better way to combine the two things that I absolutely love and cannot stop learning about, like music and astrology, please. And then being able to like do people's natal charts and turn it into like symphonic scores, like movies, like your movie score. Yeah, you just let thing. me know when I that will. becomes a thing. We'll it chat. Will. I'll send you my yes. best chart. It'll be great. We'll love it. So <laughs> that's, that's the thing that I'm putting out there and just sort of seeing how the universe responds. And so far it's like this bombarding of like, why aren't you doing it right now though? <laughs> So glad yeah. to hear that's the consensus. <laughs> Absolutely. And for our audience, 
where specifically online can they follow you? Instagram handles, websites, uh, featured podcast astrologer, tell us everything. Well, the easiest way to find all of my material, everything under every name I've ever written in, everything, is at smashingivoryproductions.com. You'll find all of my work there, um, Kano and more, as well as some other projects that I'm a part of, and some of the more classical stuff I've written, if you're into that, the scoring, <laughs> some indie pop stuff I've written over there, there's, everything is on that page. And that has pretty much access to all of my social media. So. If you're into the Conwin Moore label, you can follow me at Conwin Moore on uh, Instagram. I don't have a Facebook. That's one thing. You won't find me on Facebook. Um, but And then also I'm on TikTok. And so you can find us at Divine Warriors on TikTok. You can also find me at Smashing Ivory on TikTok, although there's not really anything on there right now. <laughs> so <laughs> mostly it's Instagram is kind of where I'm at. And then my website just has everything under the sun on it. And I try to keep it as updated as possible because I'm lucky enough to be working with myself, but also, as I mentioned, my amazing coven sister who she and I are like super, super tight and do a lot of work together. Um, one of my clients actually has me perform with them. I work with a local symphony and they've had me perform. So anything under the sun that's got my face on it is on that website. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Seriously. It's been it's such so a pleasure to not the see, meet, and yeah. talk with you both. Definitely not the last time you'll be here. Don't you worry. <laughs> Sweet. Thank you. I'd love to be back anytime. Thank you so much to Conowin for coming on the podcast and for making the intro and outro music that we are now obsessed with. Thank you to our audience for allowing us the opportunity to do interviews and just to have a podcast. We wouldn't do this without you. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. 